and welcome to CastBox On Air, the inaugural show. I'm Joel Kahn, and alongside me I have... This is Travis Wright, and we are excited, folks. We have a great show, and not only do we have a great show, but you get to be part of it. You get to call in, and you get to ask questions. This is your show. Yes, so, you know, CastBox is a great application that thousands and thousands and thousands of people use to listen to their favorite podcasts, and now they've got a new feature called Livecast that allows those podcasters and really anybody that wants to, to create and broadcast their own live radio show on the internets for free. And it's super easy to do, and the on-air show is designed to introduce you to some of your favorite podcasters and give you the opportunity to engage with them. And it's great fun, right, Trav? It is great fun. We've had a lot of experience with this so far. We love the team who has developed the software. The marketing team is doing a great job, led by Tina over there. And, uh, you know, we're just we're just getting started here. We have a, a several episodes of this going to be rolling out over the next few weeks. But this is the first one. So this is the one we get started on. So let's get started. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to let everybody know that some of you will be listening to this in the replay on iTunes or one of the other podcast distribution networks. Make sure that you follow Castbox on air this channel so you're notified when new live shows come up because you're going to want the opportunity to maybe call in and speak with your favorite podcaster. Today we're super excited. We have a gentleman with us that is the host of one of the most popular award-winning business podcasts in the world. The show is called Entrepreneurs on Fire. The host of the show is Mr. John Lee Dumas. He's interviewed over 2,000 entrepreneurs, and amongst those names are Barbara Corcoran, Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins, Seth Godin, and today we have the pleasure to have him here. We're going to ask him some questions, and then you're going to have the opportunity to call in and ask him questions as well. Mr. JLD, welcome to On Air. Joel, I am here. I am prepared to ignite. And how in the world did you leave your name off of that list? Uh, well, you know, you could put it on there if you want to. <laughs> and Joel Calm was one of those 2,200 and now 31 entrepreneurs on fire episodes. Yeah, I always love doing your show. I think I've been on three times now. You and- are a trifecta at this point. Yeah, we might have to go for the quadfecta, and, and 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 maybe Mr. Travis Wright needs to make an appearance. Well, I've been on there zero times, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. No, I. You know what? I want to start this off because it's it's interesting. You are an American entrepreneur. You were born and raised in Maine, and now you live in Puerto Rico. Like, what led to you moving to Puerto Rico and setting up your business down there? Great question. First, let me quiz you, Travis. What country is Puerto Rico associated with? Well, it is an American province or something, right? We, yes, under- you get a gold star for that. And uh, unfortunately, not many Americans would also get that gold star. But Puerto Rico is an American territory. So back in 2016, I had just spent my third straight year in San Diego, California, which also equated to my third straight year of writing a seven-figure check to good old Uncle Sam and Uncle California, whatever they are. Uncle California. I said, there's got to be a better way. There has to be a better way. And after some very diligent uh, research, I found what is by far 
the best opportunity for any American entrepreneur this century. And that is you can move your business to the island of Puerto Rico, which is an American territory. So you don't even need a passport to come here. It's just like getting a license in another state. And you do what's called Act 20 application. You get approved and you go from paying 51%, which was 37 federal and 13 or 14 um, states, to a flat 14, uh, sorry, a flat 4% corporate tax rate in Puerto Rico. So I immediately gave myself a 47% raise just by moving to Puerto Rico, not even making an extra dollar. And my one phrase for anybody that is thinking about moving to Puerto Rico, don't move to Puerto Rico unless you want to keep the money you make. <laughs> well, and it's so beautiful there. I was actually supposed to visit you last uh, New Year's Eve. I think we were going to pop in there, and of course, you guys had the you know those horrible hurricanes there. And uh, thankfully, your house was not totaled, but you did suffer some damage. We did have some damage, but luckily, everything's poured concrete over here, so it's just window damage, and there was some flooding and stuff. And Joel, the guest suite is still open for you, my friend. So get your little booty down here. I'm going to wait till it's good and cold in Denver again. Smart and, move. And take you up on that. Because right Smart now we're, we're having 90 degree days in Denver and the sun is shining and I sit by my pool. So, you know, it's not quite yet. Totally. <laughs> Hey, I want to ask you a, a question around this because you're you're one of the only podcasters. You and Pat Flynn are one of the only podcasters actually that that are so transparent with your podcast income, and it's so unique to me. I, and so, if you go to eofire.com forward slash income, you can see on the Fire Nation page how much John Lee Dumas is making every single month with his podcast, and what led to you having such radical transparency. Well, I will say that individual that you first mentioned, that's what led me to that trans, uh, mm. to just wanting to be super authentic, super transparent. Because back in 2011, 2012, when I was trying to understand, like, what does this online world look like? Like, how do you actually become an entrepreneur and actually make money online without being slimy, without being a scam artist? And I stumbled across Pat Flynn, who was publishing these income reports. And I said, man, here's a good, good guy. He's a family dude. He's creating great value in the world, and he's actually making good money. This is an inspiration. And I said to myself, if I ever get to the point where I am actually generating significant revenue online, I want to be this type of inspiration to other people that Pat is to me right now. So at month 13, post-launch, which was October back in 2013, we had our first six-figure month. And I turned to Kate and I said, now's the time. We're making significant revenue Let's share it all and let's bring on our accountant to give a tax tip and let's bring on our lawyer to bring a legal tip and also just to bring validation to the numbers because, of course, you can publish anything you want on the Internet. And I wanted people to just really believe in what I was posting, what I was publishing. And we've now been doing it for 71 months in a row. We haven't missed a month. I love Pat Flynn and not throwing him under the bus here at all, but he actually is no longer publishing income reports. So as far as I know, I am pretty much the only person that is sticking to the monthly schedule day, uh, month in, month out, publishing these monthly income reports. 
Well, that's pretty awesome. And Pat's going to be joining us on a future episode of On Air. You should and ask we, him why he stopped. Yeah, we, 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 or you can call in and ask him <laughs> when, when we're live. Ah, yeah. uh, we have John Lee Dumas here. So in just a moment, we're going to open up the lines here. And I know that Fire Nation has questions for Mr. John Lee Dumas. You're used to listening to him every day as he interviews leaders in the business and entrepreneurial world. But you're going to get to come on here and ask him a question. So all you've got to do to join us and ask that question is tap the phone button that's right there on the CastBox app, and I'll see that you're in the queue to come on in. Don't be shy. It's a great opportunity. While we're waiting for that, I want to know, out of all of the people that you've interviewed, Johnny, which was what was somebody that was the most surprising to you? The person I'm going to go with there is a gentleman by the name of Aaron Walker. I had never heard of Aaron Walker. He did come pretty highly recommended by Dan Miller, who I really respected and still great friends with to this day. But I didn't really know what to expect. And Aaron Walker got on my interview and he just slayed it. He was just so good, giving so much value, just really concise with his words too, and just really being able to deliver a great podcast episode. But then what was really cool was when the episode went live, he just went so above and beyond. And his audience wasn't massive, but he went and made sure that every single person who knew who he was was going to listen to that episode that commented on the show notes page. And that episode had the most comments of any episode. And it just got a lot of buzz because of it. And I'll never forget the phrase that he used in that episode that really has stuck with me to this day is how to take your life from being successful to significant. And mm. it's been just a really important and impactful phrase in my life because for many years now, I've been very successful in what I do, but is that enough? And the answer is no. And I just love how he was really pushing myself and others to be significant in, in this world as well. Mm. Uh, I love that. Point of reference here. I'm just, I looked it up on eofire.com and uh, I'm looking for the, the show number on the site. I just, when you type Aaron Walker, uh, it actually it looks like he's been on four times. And the first one uh, is uh, about the power of success to significance. Oh, wow. Look at that memory. I was right. <laughs> Very good. Hey, I have a question. So I love that, you know, being significant in that. So you have put together a couple of journals that I have I have purchased them. And I noticed that it's like, I don't think that I'm I don't think I'm good. I don't think I'm good at following through on journals yet. I'm like, I really want to follow through on journals. I think I have seven different journals from different people. It's like, this is the best morning habit journal ever. And then I do like three days. And then I'm like, that was awesome. Three days. And but you created this journal, the Mastery Journal, which is Mastering Productivity and Discipline and Focus over 100 Days. And then you also have this Freedom Journal. Do you want to maybe take a moment and talk about those? Because I find them very fascinating. They they are very helpful. I'm just having a hard time sticking with journaling. Is well, there any, well, is there any hey, before you answer that, Johnny, I just want to say maybe your next journal should be Keeping Up With Your Journals Journal. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Keep journaling. Well, first off, Travis, thank you for contributing to my monthly income report. It is very much appreciated. And secondly, the journal idea came to me back in 2015. And I said, you know, I realized after interviewing at that point, it was, it was over a thousand entrepreneurs that successful entrepreneurs set and accomplish smart goals. 
And I realized that my listeners who are struggling were struggling with that very thing. They didn't even know how to set a SMART goal. In fact, most of them didn't even know what a SMART goal was. So I decided, hey, why don't I have a step-by-step process where you can, where I will guide you in setting and then accomplishing your number one goal in 100 days. And so I took people through the process, you know, of creating that SMART goal, specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time-bound. And then every single day for 100 days, you are taking one step closer to accomplishing that goal. There's 10 10 10-day sprints that get you 10% closer to that goal. There's 25-day quarterly reviews where you look back over the past 25 days and see what worked, what didn't, what you need to change going forward. And we launched it back in January of 2016. And this little puppy, this $39 journal, ended up doing $453,000 in sales in just 33 days on Kickstarter. Mm. It became the sixth most funded publishing campaign of all time on Kickstarter. And so I'm like, whoa, this journaling thing works. And a year later, I followed it up with a mastery journal, which is all about mastering productivity, discipline, and focus in 100 days. And that journal did $280,000 in 33 days and sold thousands and thousands of copies. And then everybody figured out that the journaling thing is a good idea and copied me. So that's really the full story. <laughs> well, they, they copy the journal and they copy the nation thing. I mean, you started this whole fire nation and now, you know, we've got accounting nation and basket weaving nation, right? All, all and can I tell nations. you how many podcasts end in on fire now? We have firemen on fire, athlete on fire, icebreakers on fire. I mean, it's, it's quite the trends. Yeah, our new show is going to be cryptocurrency on fire. Myself and Eric already already got that name. Sorry. Now, for those of you listening to the replay, uh, what you might not know is when you're on livecast, you can actually you're part of the chat room as well. And we can see all the people who are joining and there's chat going on. And there's a question that just came in from Koenigsegg. And uh, the question is, is which people or books have had the most influence on your growth and why? I'd say the book, The One Thing, had a massive impact on my overall journey because when you start to get a little glimmer of success, you start to have a lot of opportunities come at you. And a lot of people I've seen have just said yes to all those opportunities and they've gotten overwhelmed, burned out, and they lost focus on the one thing that got them there and then it all crumbled down um, just like a deck of cards. Where on the flip side, if you just focus, follow one course until success, the one thing, then you're going to much more likely have sustained success. And that one thing for me has been Entrepreneurs on Fire. It's the podcast. That is where I focus the vast, vast majority of my efforts. So I love that book. It's a great one. It's a great reminder um, of what we really need to be doing in this world is becoming best in show. I mean, if you can really find that niche and become best in show in that niche, the world's your oyster. Mm. You know what? I think we, we, we kind of take that philosophy by heart. We've, we've just passed our two-year anniversary, birth anniversary. Joel and I have, of Bad Crypto. And we want to, I want to give you a big thank you because I know Joel, right at the very beginning, we had done our first episode, and I think he had sent it over to you. And he said, take a listen. What do you think? And then you'd recommended that at the beginning, you need to tell us what you're going to tell us, then tell us, and then, you know, get, do a nice little intro about what the podcast is, right? A nice little teaser. And ever since then, Mr. Joel Kahn has been writing the most amazing, creative, hilarious teasers. And we've done 365 episodes 
uh, since that first one. Listen, if you're doing podcast episodes, webinars, writing a book, coffee, whatever it might be, you've got to realize the human psyche. If you open a loop, the human mind wants that loop closed. So if you're opening a loop by those teasers at the beginning of an episode, the mind wants those loops closed and they're going to stay on until that happens. So if you like watching in my webinars, I am consistently opening up loop one or opening up loop one and then I'm um, opening up loop two. And then guess what? I'm not closing loop one until that second loop has been opened and going down that chain. And so that's just mm. a key strategy for a lot of people to recognize is that you've got to give people an open loop that they want to mentally close, whether they know it or not consciously or subconsciously. That's a great point. I noticed that whenever you like you get to the bottom of an article and you see the little the ads for another article like, oh, look at the look at these celebrities, how much weight they've lost. Look at this particular one. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take a look at that. And then like you click the page and then you, oh, now I got to click to the next page. And like 47 pages later, you finally get to the one that you wanted to get to. And you're like, come on, just give me there. I'm ready to and YouTube's a master of this. Like when you end a video on YouTube, they've got their algorithms down where like all those little square videos that pop up, you're like, oh my God. Like that's why it's called the YouTube rabbit holes because once you watch one video on cryptocurrency, next thing you know, it's like you're literally moving to Malta. Mm. <laughs> right. Or Puerto Rico. Puerto, that, that same thing in Puerto Rico goes, that 4% tax seems to work with crypto as well over there. It's I heard. even better. It's 0% on all cryptocurrency. What? I did not know that. That's why they call it Crypto Rico Islands, yes. as well. So here's a question from CJ. He says, can you share any tips for interviewing? How do you get the most out of your guests? Number one, your guest hopefully has an area of expertise. And that's what you want, to fo- you want to focus on. And I see a lot of people bring on a guest who's just like amazing at, let's just say, makeup, you know, Instagram stories. And they just never talk about the topic that the person is good at. They're just asking them like very generic questions. And generic questions lead to a generic interview. That's why about a year and a half ago, I switched the focus of Entrepreneurs on Fire. And I started calling all of my quote unquote interviews audio masterclasses because I want people to recognize that I'm bringing on the best and the best on that specific topic. And we're going to be giving a masterclass on that. So if you're going to find somebody, you're going to bring them on for a reason as a guest, give them the, the every opportunity to shine. They know what they're talking about in their area of expertise, go there. And a lot of people don't. So just really set these people up to win. That's why a lot of people say, John, do you send the questions ahead of time to your guests? Of course I do, because I want them to have the best answers possible. I don't want to try to surprise them or catch them you know, off guard. I want them to bring their best to my audience, Fire Nation, every single day. And it's hard to be surprised by your questions because they are literally the same <laughs> questions for every interview, right? For the first 2,000 episodes, yes. But a year and a half ago... I flipped the format to these audio masterclasses. Now, every single episode is 30 to 40 minutes long on one specific topic. Mm. And, and, and how often is your show? Go, does it go live daily? Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Again, for the first 2,000 days slash five and a half years, it was a daily show. But then I switched it to three days a week. Oh, now you get a break. How much time do you do researching <laughs> your guests before you have them on? Or now, you know, somebody schedules or do you have a producer who helps you schedule stuff? I mean, as well, what does that what does that process look like and that research process and the scheduling process look like for for entrepreneurs on fire? 
I spend 0.00 minutes researching my guests. And this is the reason why. I want to go into these episodes as clueless about the topic or about what we're going to be talking about as my listeners will be. Because otherwise, the curse of knowledge will take over. And I'll just not ask a question that I should be asking because I know the answer. So, of course, I'm not going to ask that, a question I know the answer to because I'm going to assume everybody knows the answer to it. That's the curse of knowledge. I want to go in as clueless and curious as my listeners will be. Mm. And the biggest compliments that I get are when people email me and say, John, you literally took the questions right out of my mouth. I was hoping with all of my heart you were going to ask those questions, and you did. And I say, yeah, because those are my questions too because I didn't have a clue. So I go in 100% curious, 100% clueless. Also, it helps because you know that I can be really lazy and not do any research as well. So that's an added benefits. And as far as like the scheduling process that you inquired about, Entrepreneurs on Fire, as we're sitting right now, gets approximately 400 requests per month for people to be on the show that has 12 spots now. So we have a very, very detailed application process that I have one virtual assistant who works 40 hours a week. Literally, his only job is to take these applications, is to filter through them, to get me the best ones to decide who are actually going to be offering these appearances on Entrepreneurs on Fire too. Unless your name's Joe Kahn, you could free pass. So what you're saying is Travis Wright's never, ever going to get on then with that many applications. <laughs> I would actually even maybe add one more ever at the end <laughs> One more ever. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, those of you just joining us now, this is a live show. We're live on CastBox. The podcast is called On Air, and our guest today is John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneurs on Fire. John, I have to uh, go down this rabbit hole because I, I'm learning something about you that I did not know from your About page, Uh-oh. and that is, is that you were on the price is right and won a car back in 2011 talk about that i can't believe you didn't know that about me because that is one of the most fun facts i like to share about myself but back in 2011 my girlfriend at the time was a big price prices uh rights fan and we're living in san diego we drove up to the set wherever it was like up in hollywood and got in line got into um, the prices right and I was asked to come on down and I actually claimed that I played the worst game of the prices right that a single person can play yet still win a car and what I mean by that is I was literally the first person called down so I was in the first spot and all five five of the six showcases so there's a total of, of six showcases every show are played out and I get all of them wrong. So I'm still standing there. Drew Carey actually looks at me and is like, John, this is your last chance. And I was like, I know this is embarrassing. Finally, on the last one, I um, (laughs) bid $1 to get up on stage to win it. And if I had longer, I'd tell you how I actually cheated in that as well. So I got on stage by cheating and and bidding a dollar to get up on the Price is Right stage. And then it was putting to win for the car. And now the whole game was, is that every price you, I mean, every product you got in order from lowest to highest, you got three feet closer to the hole until it could just be a little putt in. Well, I got every single one wrong. So now I'm at the furthest back line you can possibly be. Drew Carey makes a comment. Nobody's ever made a putt from this far back. He tries to make the putt is not even close. I make the putt. I don't, I, I take the putt. I'm not even close. I start walking back thinking I just played the worst game ever. And they're just like, oh, it's actually hole in two. You get two shots. So I took a second shot, drilled it, 
went over, got to hug Kenny Smith's wife. Uh, he's an NBA basketball player. She's a drop dead gorgeous model. And I still to this day have the license plate that says I won this car and the price is right. That is amazing. And you guys can see if you go to YouTube and just type the price is right, Bob, John Lee Dumas, uh, it'll come up and <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm going to watch it afterwards. Hey, we got a caller. Mario, are you there? I'm a Mario. Are you there? I know he. I know he's lurking because I see him. He's connected. Mm-hmm. Mar- he said he just put his earbuds in. Yep. He shut the door. Yeah, and he wants to know when. Now, now is your time, Mario. The spotlight is is on you, bud. You are on air. He's uh, par- now. Currently, he's talking, Mario. I'm going to drop you. Go ahead and call in again. We'll try this a second time. Might have encountered uh, something a little buggy there. That does happen with the internets and the technology. But what a, what a great story. Um, and Drew Carey seems like a, a fine fella, I must say. He's a fine fellow. You know, he dropped the pounds he needed to drop, so I can respect him as a human being now. Oh, I'm overweight, so I, I, I need to gain some. I respect. just added a fourth ever. Ever. <laughs> Maybe after I lose some weight, I can be on the show. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can say it's a possibility. <laughs> hey, I want to I ask, I want to go a little deeper onto the Freedom Journal and talk about smart and ask about smart goals. Sure. Right. Because I mean, you, you know, it's it's you said it's always great to have one goal, one specific goal. But what are what are smart goals, and how do you set them? So a smart goal is specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, time bound. You have to have those five attributes. If you don't have those five attributes, then your goal is much less likely to be accomplished. Let's just take, for instance, the last one: time bound. Parkinson's law. Tasks will expand to the time allotted. If you don't allot a specific amount of time to a specific task, then it's called infinity and you wonder why it never gets accomplished. So you have to have that time boundness to the goal. Let's take another one, relevant. Is it even relevant to you? Like, Travis, if you want to lose weight, like, because you want to run a marathon, then that just became a relevant goal because, you know, it's really hard to run a marathon when you're significantly overweight. So now you can start to see how these five different attributes, if you're checking each block, starts to make sense. And a lot of people, you know, to kind of keep going down this path, will just say, I really want to lose weight. Well, okay, no shock when you don't lose weight. you got to get specific. Like, I want to lose 15 pounds in the next five months. And, like, now you have specificity to that goal. So the Freedom Journal is just this guide that really helps you, number one, set that very specific SMART goal and then walks you through the process over the next 100 days to hold you accountable and to make sure you stay on task. Mm, that's excellent. We got a call here from uh, Debbie. Debbie, are you with us? Oh, you were on and and dropped like that. Ariel, go ahead and uh, call in now. I know you had a question for John. Let me bring you in here. Ariel, welcome to On Air. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> What's your question? <laughs> yeah. Say hi to Johnny. Hey, Johnny. How are you? Thanks so much for uh, doing this, for being available to everybody. My pleasure, but listen, only Joel can call me Johnny. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Just totally kidding. Can I call you JLD? Absolutely. Lovely. Um, okay, so I just have a question about um, podcasting in general. So, um I've been uh, working in the podcast world for a few years now, and I'm wondering, so you you have a website, you've got all the social media, you've got your podcast. Do you have books or anything like that also? Am I, am I, uh, am I remembering that right? 
So I do have four journals, so not a traditional book. I do have also a um, book that's called Podcast Launch, actually, which is a very short book, but not what you would consider, you know, kind of like a four-hour workweek traditional book now. Okay. Um, However, though, Debbie, he does have the Podcaster's Paradise. It's an ongoing process that teaches you how to do that, right? You want to talk about that, JL? Oh, sure. Well, yeah. So Podcasters Paradise is a community that we launched back in 2013 that teaches people how to create, grow, and monetize their podcast and has all the video tutorials, templates, and a Facebook group that I'm actually active in daily. Um, We have over 4,500 members and Podcasters Paradise to date has generated over $6 million in total revenue. Wow. Okay. So that fits into my larger question, which is, um, so I'm a big fan of podcasting. I think that uh, it's the future and I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot of growth um, from now on with it and that it'll be, it, it'll become like a normal part of a way that we consume media. So I'm wondering, do you, do you find that your podcast is an especially um, intimate way of getting to hang out with your fans or to speak to your fans? Do you like it in a, do you feel like also that podcasting is going to be the future? Yes. Yeah, so to answer the first part of your question, it is such an intimate form of media. I mean, I have people that come up to me at conferences all the time. And they say, John, this is going to sound really weird, but I just feel like I know you. Like, yeah, I really feel friend. like we're friends. <laughs> and I look at them and I'm like, it doesn't sound weird to me at all because I love podcasts and I listen to podcasts and I feel the exact same way about the hosts that I consume on a daily basis. Like I like to tell Neil Patel, I'm like, dude, I take a shower with you every morning because <laughs> I do. I walk into my bathroom. I say, Alexa news and boom, it starts playing the Neil Patel's marketing school podcast. And as I'm showering, I'm listening to Neil Patel and it's like part of my day. So when I see Neil, I'm like, Neil, he's like, I know you, but I don't really know you. And I'm yeah. like, oh, like, you know me. So yeah, it's very intimate. <laughs> That's kind of weird that you're naked every time you listen to him though. Every time, every time. <laughs> kind of Sometimes weird. I have a bar soap in my hands. But well, I, I mean- will- Go ahead. Go, no, yeah, no, 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 no. Go for it, Connie. Uh, Ariel, thanks for the question. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we've got uh, Mario is calling in again, Ooh. Johnny. So let's see. Mario, are you there, buddy? Can you hear me now? Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm feeling great. John, how are you? Mario, glad you're with us, brother. Question I got for you to benefit everyone else listening. What's the coolest opportunity that you've had in the time you started your podcast till today? Wow, because I've definitely had a lot of cool opportunities. I'd say the number one coolest opportunity I have had because of the podcast would be back in 2015, Creative Live reached out to me and said, hey, we want you to put on a three-day event around podcasting. Bring up a couple of your friends to the San Francisco area. We'll put you up, we'll, you know, take you out for food, take you out for parties, whatever it might be, and just give great value over these three days on Creative Live, which is a huge online course platform with massive audience, massive live audience. And it made me actually kind of think of it when you said that, because I actually literally from that 2015 three days, I'm still getting paychecks from them to this day because I just got one today from them where what happens is after that three days of an amazing experience, getting to just share knowledge about podcasting to, by the way, a live audience, because they have a live audience there, then a massive online audience. And then they package it up into a course that they sell ongoing. And so that was just a really cool experience getting to go up to San Francisco, see 
like a real professional production set in in progress and just what a team looks like and just presenting in front of a live audience in that manner and just knowing that there were thousands and thousands of people around the world watching live at the same time. And then just seeing the fruits of that labor continue through these, you know, package course sales going on and on and on, even though it's four years later. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing and inspiring me to start my own. Thanks Mario. And good luck with that. Thanks, Thank Mario. You. Great question. Yeah, that was well, great. Travis, this is fun stuff. I mean, there are hundreds of people piling into this room. And just mm-hmm. so you guys know, if you want to ask a question of John Lee Dumas, simply tap the phone icon and you'll jump into the queue here. And uh, when I it, when we can bring you in, then we'll you'll be able to ask a question of Johnny. Yeah, I want to talk. I want to ask John about this. So um IAB recently put out a, a, a research report about podcasting. It came out just a couple months. I think it might have come out last month. Talking about how podcast advertising revenue is forecasted to exceed a billion dollars by 2021. And like in 2015, it was just over $100 million. And then it's slowly grown this past year, 2018. It was almost $500 million. More and more dollars are being poured into uh, poured into this whole podcasting space. Like, this is this is quite a space to be in, huh? Absolutely. And there's a reason for that. Podcast hosts are building up that intimate relationship that we were talking about earlier with Ariel. So when you have a scenario where you have a host like myself or Joel or you, Travis, or whoever, who's delivering this free, valuable, consistent content on this very regular basis, and they're building up an audience, that audience really knows, likes and trust that host or those hosts. And so when a sponsor can then become a advertiser on that show and the host says, you know what, this product or this service makes sense for my community, then guess what? When that host is going ahead and doing that sponsorship read of that product, of that service for that company, that product or service has instant credibility, has instant trust, has instant like for all of those tens or hundreds or thousands, or in some cases, tens of thousands of listeners, just like that. A great example for years, one of my biggest sponsors has been Zip Recruiter, because if you're an entrepreneur, it's really good if you're going to grow your team to find the right person to grow your team. Mm-hmm. So it just makes sense because that's what Zip Recruiter does. They make it super simple. I'm not making a picture of Zip Recruiter. I'm just trying to make a point that like it's so well done when you have a company who has a product or service that aligns with that podcast slash host audience. And then, then the host is coming on and saying, this is why I like ZipRecruiter. This is why I like, you know, fill in the blank because of these reasons right here. This is why I use them. This is why I like them. And the convertibility of the listeners because of that no like trust read from that host is through the roof. Whereas, you know, you look at the old radio style and all these different ways that, you know, other people try sponsorships in the past where it's just like some other voice, some other name, you know, that they don't even connect with is completely fragmented. And that's why podcasts can, can uh, command a 25, 35, 65. I've even had over $75 CPMs for pod, for sponsors sponsoring my podcast because the ROI return on investment is simply there for them. Where you know a magazine might have a one or two dollar CPM, a radio might be four or five dollar CPM, but podcasts command 
10, 20, sometimes even 30x those multiples. That that's crazy. That's and by the way, this podcast not brought to you by ZipRecruiter. <laughs> I was going to make that joke too. That's good. I want to give a shout out to everybody joining us for this special premiere broadcast of Castbox on Air. I'm Joel Com, and I'm joined by Mr. Travis Wright. We are the co-hosts of the Bad Crypto Podcast. We are bad. And- it, is not, it is not the Good Crypto Podcast. Yeah, actually, to just sort of tie into what you were talking about, uh, JLD is like you know. The way those those advertisers are coming in, well, we're, when you're in the crypto space and then the price of crypto drops, like Yikes. the value of your sponsorships can plummet sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and that is Mr. John Lee Dumas of Entrepreneurs on Fire. He's going to be with us for about another 20 minutes. And if you want to call in and ask John a question, I'm sure he'd love to hear the sound of your voice. Tap the phone icon or there's a button, a different button on each one of the apps. And I'll see that you're joining us. We have a a question in the text that is from Koenigsegg, and it says, tell us about the biggest failure you had, JLD. What did you learn from it, and what would you suggest the audience to learn from it, and how would you handle the situation? Well, I think it's a good question because a lot of the people in the audience are probably thinking about starting a podcast or thinking about starting a YouTube show or thinking about launching you know, their Instagram, you know, fill in the blank. It doesn't necessarily matter what the medium is. But for me, back in 2012, the medium was podcasting. And so I did all the right things. I hired a mutual friend of ours, Joel Jamie Masters, to be my mentor. And I was interviewing people. I was ready to go. And I had my launch date for August 15th, 2012. And that day came and I panicked because I was convinced that my show was going to be a big fat failure and I wanted to live in this fantasy world of, well, you know, as long as I'm in pre-launch, it might work. It might not work, but it might work. And I knew that when I pushed publish, it would either be a reality of this isn't working or, you know, this is working, but I was obviously scared of the prior, which is this isn't working. And so a month went by. And I was just giving all the excuses in the world, this and that, missing deadlines. Finally, Jamie Masters says, John, if you don't launch your podcast, like I will fire you because like I don't want to have a mentee that's just like sitting there afraid to launch a podcast. And so on September 22nd, 2012, launched the podcast. And I call it a $100,000 mistake slash failure because 13 months later, we hit $100,000 for the first time. And ever since then, 71 months in a row, we've hit over $100,000 in revenue. In fact, last month was $353,000 in revenue. So all that my month of delay did was delay that getting to six figures a month in revenue. So it was a $100,000 mistake. There was no reason for it, but I see it all the time. The imposter syndrome, the fear of failure, it just paralyzes people and it did it paralyzed me um and so i understand why it happens but i always have to do my best to try to have people break through that fear barrier don't be afraid people don't be afraid uh we had somebody call and and it dropped but uh, kimberly if you want to try calling in again uh, we would love to have your question. This is a really broad question from Josh. He runs a podcast and just wants to know, how do you get more listeners? <laughs> so it is a broad question, but I have a very direct answer. I would say, Josh, how many guests have you 
uh, how many podcasts have you been a guest on in the past three months? And his answer is probably going to be between zero to three. And frankly, that's pathetic. It's not nearly enough because there's one thing you've got to recognize. Podcast listeners listen to podcasts. It's a very tough correlation to make, but it is a wow. absolute fact. Mind and blown. It's mind blown. Wow. Off the yeah. top. And the average podcast listener listens to seven podcasts. So guess what? If you can find 50 podcasts that are in your niche, say business podcasts, or you know, in the case of Joel and Travis, finance podcasts, whatever it might be, and you are guests on those shows and you deliver great value and you're warm and engaging and you're just being your, your normal self. And then in the end, you give a call to action to your podcast. Guess what? You are speaking to people who listen to podcasts. You're not trying to convert anybody into this new thing called podcasting. Like they're already there listening. They just need to do a very simple thing, which is just quickly search for your podcast and then That's boom, great. you're off to the races. So, I am on 20 other podcasts every single month. That's a commitment that I made. And that's the reason why Entrepreneurs on Fire gets over 1 million listens every month. Because for seven years now, I have been absolutely committed to being on as many other podcasts as possible. Big, small, medium. It doesn't matter because they're all podcast listeners. How do you reach out to them? Like, how do you how do you get the contact information from them? Is there a process that you go through to do that outreach? Great follow-up question. You go to Apple Podcasts and you search by the category and then you can sort by the top 200. And then once you see the ones that you want, you're clicking on that logo in the Apple Podcast store. It's going to take you to their podcast page. Right below the logo, there's a word that says website. You click on that word that says website. It's going to take you to their website. On the nav bar of everybody's website is a word called contact. You're going to click on that contact form, and then you're going to write an email to that person on their contact form by referring back to that Apple podcast page. And you're going to say, hey, Travis, I see you have a great podcast called Bad Crypto. In fact, I'm a big fan. I've listened to a bunch of the last 10 episodes. I specifically liked this episode where you and Joel said something that was hysterically funny, and then I'll make a direct reference to it. And I love the fact that you guys have great episodes on this topic. And by the way, one thing I've realized is in the last 10 plus episodes, you haven't talked about this specific topic when it comes to crypto. And guess what? I'm an expert on this specific topic when it comes to crypto. So I would love to come on your show. In fact, I want to make it easy for you. Here's my proposed title of the episode. So you don't even have to think about it. Here's the bullet points. You guys can just rip through these questions and I'm going to deliver value for them. And by the way, Travis, I'm a podcaster, so I understand the incredible value of when this episode goes live, I am going to share the crap out of it to all of my listeners, to all of my fans, all of my followers, to my entire social media, because I'm going to get as many people as I possibly can to listen to your podcast. That's going to be the most appealing podcast pitch. Travis, have you ever gotten a podcast pitch that appealing? No. Never. Not even close. Not no, even not close. close. You I know what? Like Stan Bat incoming nuclear knowledge bomb. Boom. That was good. That was good <laughs> stuff. One thing I noticed, John, is that every time that I go on like a, a, a solid podcast and you know, we do an interview and I'm cracking jokes and giving value. And I noticed this is like this happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, Joel and I, we were interviewed on some podcast, it went live, and then like immediately I was getting 20, 30 LinkedIn requests a day. Yes. It's crazy, like how many, just from that one show. So 20x that. That's and by, and by the way, like to every one of those LinkedIn requests, whichever ones you, you accepted, it should have been an immediate message of like, 
hey, by the way, thank you so much for whatever kind words you just shared with me or for wanting to connect with me. By the way, just in case you missed it on the show, here's a link to, 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 to my show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, however you want to listen to this on CastBox. Mm-hmm. Like, here it is. Boom. Take it, click it. Now, are you doing that it. every day or do you? Have, is that one of the things that you have your virtual assistant helping you manage some of that stuff? The latter. Mm, nice. Hey, Mario's back for a second helping. Mario, what's, what's your question, brother? John, love what you're sharing when you're talking about doing those 20 plus a month. Did you yes, start put off in the with work, that? Brother. Did you start off with that or did you ramp up? Ramped up. Because listen, you know, I can do 20 episodes a month now because I have Podcasters Paradise, <clears throat> excuse me, so a massive community that people are joining at a high rate every single month. And, you know, kind of a little bit of a rite of passage for people in Podcasters Paradise is to have me on their show. And I definitely want to accommodate as many people as possible. So I definitely do that. And the reality is I didn't have 20 people that wanted me on their show, you know, every single month back in 2012, 2013, 2014. So it is a ramp up process for sure, but it doesn't stop you from just putting in the work. There's a lot more podcasts now than there were back in 2012, 13, and 14 too. So there's more opportunities out there. And when you have a podcast too, I didn't get to kind of finish this thought is another great way when you're pitching yourself, when it makes sense is to say, Oh, by the way, Mario, I also have a podcast too. And I think it'd be great to have you on my show. So now you're just giving all this great value, letting them know that you're going to be sharing their podcast and that you're going to bring them on your podcast and co-mingling audiences. You can even schedule, you know, like just a one hour back-to-back recordings to make it easier for them. I mean, you just make it so easy and so appealing for them that it just makes it an absolute no-brainer. Hey, thanks, Mario. Thank you. Great stuff. Hey, Joshua's with us. Josh, what's happening? Hey, nothing much. Um, so, uh, number one, so you said you're, uh, I guess, John, your your cast is about crypto or bad crypto? No, that, that's Travis and myself. We we host the Bad Crypto Podcast. Okay, and John's is? My podcast is called Entrepreneurs on Fire, where I interview successful entrepreneurs. Okay, so, okay, successful. Okay, so that counts me out. Mm. Yeah, for now. <laughs> well, Josh, Josh, what do you do? Um, I'm an environmental scientist. I work uh, at an engineering firm, um, just on the ground floor, cleaning up uh, different environmental sites, um, uh, dealing with uh, clean water and uh, the DEP, uh, sort of like uh, uh, the link between the government and businesses. But and nice. do, you, do you have? Is this your business, or do you work for somebody? I, we work for, it's a very small engineering firm. It's me and one other person. So let me um, ask you this, because maybe John can give you some wisdom here. What's the biggest challenge that you guys are having with your business right now? The biggest challenge that I'm facing right now is that I've reached, my boss is older. He's 96. Um, but he is, he's, you know, he, he's sort of set in his ways and he doesn't, he's, doesn't take the advice of um, accepting new tech very easily, and it's very difficult for him to get through. And so things that would take um, a lot quicker that don't have to go through two, three, four, five revisions, um, you know, that would take a couple hours um, the way he does it could take 20 minutes. And so we're, we, we lose a lot of time in his inability to catch up uh, to the tech. What do you do? What do you do with that, Josh? Uh, John, I mean, how do you? What would you? What advice would you give there? Well, let me think about that for a minute. No, I got nothing. 
Well, it's, <laughs> it's really hard when you've got somebody that's been a business owner their whole life. And 96, I mean, yeah, that, that's an understatement. That he's old. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just and wait him out. Started. Maybe. all's fair in love and business right i think absolutely hey thanks for calling josh i I do want to commend you on doing like i mean that's that's some tough and important work out there because there are some some environmental issues out there that need to be cleaned up and thank you to people like you out there doing that good work it's great yeah um i have oh by the way if i can if i can plug my podcast if i can take the advice from what you do it do it i'm I'm joshua h i'm on here i have mind meld mold and i probably have i think 60 gigs worth of just live cast wild wild west conversations that i'm going to be distilling into uh nothing but the best and i'm going to be putting that out right now you can hear a couple if you follow me and you look at my page you'll see a few and soon coming are going to be the best of the best conversations we've had there. And we've had some real, real, real person-to-person moments and built a nice little community here. And so yes, I encourage you to stay on. And thank you for taking the call. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again for what you're doing. I want to echo what Travis is saying. I mean, I'm actually a lead investor down here in a company called Biomass Green Fuels, where we're literally taking all of this wasted methane gas that comes from all the landfills and turning it into green fuel. So I'm a huge proponent of that. So keep doing what you're doing. That's great stuff. Uh, There is a question that came in. Oh, actually we've got somebody. Well, they called and then they hung up immediately. If you guys want to, if you want to try and call again, um, please do. But Annette wrote prior to podcasting, what other medium have you used to influence your brand? None. Podcasting was my first foray into anything to do with being an entrepreneur. I was an officer in the U.S. Army for eight years. I was a one-semester law school dropout. I was a corporate finance stooge. And then I was a little real estate uh, residential broker running around with my head cut off. (laughs) I want to thank you for your service, good sir. Thank you, Travis. I just just took an ever off. That's good. I was I was I was a Russian linguist in the U.S. Army and moderated uh, the Defense Language Institute. Are you watching Stranger Things right now, Travis? I am not. Ew, the the, most the kids have, my kids have, have both watched all of them, so I, I've caught some of the episodes. I did see the end of some of the part part three season. Yeah, there's a lot of Russian, a lot of Russian episodes. As Joe likes to say, "Ochen ploho." No, no, uh, no spoilers there for those who haven't watched the season yet. Hey, you know, while we're tapping into pop culture, uh, John, let's do a couple of those type questions. Tell us your your favorite movie and your favorite band. Wow. So my favorite band would be U2. I actually got to see them live on October 31st, 2001. It was their first concert post 9-11. If you can picture mm. them singing the song One when the 3,000 plus names were being just scrolled over the ceiling of the civic center that I was in. It was one of the more emotional moments I've ever been involved in. That was the Elevation Tour, right? That was the Elevation Tour. Oh, that was such a great concert. Oh, yeah. It was phenomenal. And ever since then, I've just, I can't get enough of you two. It was just very, 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 very special. And as far as my favorite movie, um, Legends of the Fall. Have either of you seen that movie? Mm-hmm. Is that the Brad Pitt film? Brad Pitt and who's the older guy? Um, 
He's a classic as well. He's Anthony uh, Hopkins. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins. He was so good in that. That movie, you feel like when you when you're done watching it, you feel like you've just lived a life. Like it's not just like two hours. It's like you just lived like fifty years. It's unbelievable. Hey, I want I want to ask you something not not related to movies or music. Uh, let's go back, you know, because you, you've interviewed over two thousand entrepreneurs, right? And there's a lot of information out there about how many successful entrepreneurs start their day and their morning ritual and 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 whatnot. Maybe what is your morning ritual? Like, what time do you get up? Was there any special thing that you do in the morning? And maybe what have you learned from from other entrepreneurs and, and their morning rituals? Absolutely. The morning ritual is critical to my success. Self-care is everything. Because if you really want to be able to serve your audience, you have to serve yourself first. So 6 a.m., sun's coming through the windows. I'm getting out of bed. I'm immediately, without even second-guessing or thinking about it, I'm already off on my morning walk. And I do a three-mile morning walk in the sun, fresh air, get my vitamin D, breathe in, that nice salty Caribbean air that's coming in. And after that, I'm coming back after my shower with Neil Patel. I'm then coming into my office here and I'm sitting down and I'm meditating. Then I'm journaling. I'm focusing on my mind for that, for that part of the morning to kind of give my mind a nice little refresher break, as well as put my thoughts down on paper through my journaling. Then I'm going into my stretching routine to uh, keep limber and at that point, I'm, you know, brewing some of my Four Sigmatic coffee, who's actually also a sponsor of Entrepreneurs on Fire, mushroom coffee all the way. And then I am um, only then, and I'm at about the 90-minute mark right now for my post-wake-up, am I turning to the computer and turning it on. So the first 90 minutes of every morning are completely sacred, no phone, no computer, all self-care. Wow, that is a great routine and, and inspiring and makes me feel really bad about myself. So thanks, John. You're welcome. That's great. <laughs> I, I like roll out and be like, all right, I got to talk to Joel in about 10 minutes. All right. Lord. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cynthia, you know, asks, this is her first time ever listening to a podcast, she says, and can you recommend any good podcast? So Cynthia, obviously, Entrepreneurs on Fire, John's podcast. But John, what are some of the shows that you like to listen to? Well, you know, I wouldn't mind if I asked her if she's still in the chat to share some of her interests, because I probably could give her some really good recommendations based off of her interests. Um, But a podcast that I absolutely love is called Business Wars. It's by a company called Wondery, and they just talk about all the great business wars, Pepsi versus Coca-Cola, Nintendo versus Sega Genesis, Nike versus Adidas, and they just take you through the whole history of each one in like six episodes is each series. And it's just spectacular. That's Mm. great. Hey, I want to, I want to say some captain bug just asked a question and said, he said, is Gary Vaynerchuk going to come on here? Is that clickbait? Uh, this he will be on a future episode. This one is we were JLD right now, folks. So, uh, enjoy that. Taking the fire nation. Goodness. Yeah. Come on. There's like, there's Gary Vaynerchuk. 
then there's John Lee Davis. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We'll, we'll have to click the explicit uh, button. <laughs> yeah, you will. For, <laughs> for that. Well, uh, John, we really appreciate you joining us today for this premiere episode of CastBox On Air. In, in the remaining minutes, would love for you to just uh, speak to Fire Nation here and uh, share whatever message, you know, was on your heart that you would find inspiring. You know, the only thing I'll share here at the end, because we've talked about a lot today, is for me, I can just say the first 32 years of my life were definitely not wasted, but they were focused on the wrong things. And that was focused on trying to be successful. And I know that might sound counterintuitive, but it was when I was 32 years old, I saw a quote by Albert Einstein that flipped everything on its head for me. And that quote was, Try not to become a person of success, but rather a person of value. Mm. And that's where it hit me real hard. I was like, man, I've literally just been trying to be successful, but I haven't been. And what's the main reason? Because I mean, I'm not doing anything that's of any value to this world. I'm just like running after money or success or whatever. And when I flipped it on his head and said, I'm going to do a daily podcast that's free, that's inspiring, that's motivating, that's informative, that's helpful that's going to be a pure value play. You know, here I am today, seven years later, 2,200 plus episodes later, you know, generating multi seven figures a year for many, many years now, living in Puerto Rico. Like it all came from that quote. And so I would just say, look at what your day-to-day is. Look at what your life is. How are you adding value to the world? And if you're kind of scratching your head, like I was back at 32 years old, then maybe it's time to uh, to make a little bit of a shift. Or if you have identified something, maybe it's time to amplify that and double down on that and really go to town. And so that's how I want to end. That's great. Have you ever have you ever read the book Think and Grow Rich? Yes, Napoleon Hill. Yeah, Napoleon Hill. That was that was that 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 book right there was what hit me and made me decide to be an entrepreneur. And it really is is that add more value than you're than you than than is expected. And your rewards will be overflowing down the road because you're always giving more than you expect. Well said. Mm. And you have done that today, Mr. John Lee Dumas. Again, follow John, listen to his show, eofire.com, Entrepreneurs on Fire. You find it at all the places that you would listen to podcasts, subscribe to his stuff, and, and don't miss it. Thanks again, John. We appreciate you. Travis, Joel, truly was a pleasure. Have a wonderful night. You too, brother. And Mr. Travis Wright. What a uh, what a privilege for uh, for us to have this first show with John. That's true. I'm so I'm so excited that I I, I got one of the Evers knocked off at the end. <laughs> Just one. You, Just you're going to need to. I still have like three other Evers. So well, research those. what uh, you know, like John's favorite snack food, right? Mm-hmm. And send send him a, a food basket, and that'll knock an Ever off. Okay. And, um, you know, maybe I don't maybe know. Maybe I'll just say, like, maybe like he'll interview you, but then, like, you can't come that day and then I'll show up instead. <laughs> hey, thanks everybody for listening to uh, this this first episode of Castbox on Air. And uh, we're, we've got a series of these coming up. Make sure that you follow this account so that you get notifications and also follow Castbox on uh, Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash castbox.fm and turn on notifications there. You'll get notified when a show is coming up as well. Uh, we've got Lewis Howes, Gary Vaynerchuk, and a number of other top podcasters that are going to be on future episodes.
Yep, yep. And this will be available after the fact. Uh, this will be, I believe, polished a little bit and then uploaded to its own channel on iTunes. So iTunes and Stitcher and all the places there, probably Spotify as well. So you're going to want to tune in. Also, obviously on CastBox. So all the places where you can listen to podcasts, make sure to tune in. And of course, uh, we invite you to listen to our show, our other show, the Bad Crypto Podcast. It's the show for the crypto curious and the crypto serious. If you want to discover what this whole Bitcoin and blockchain thing is about and how it's going to impact your life, because it will, then uh, download us as well. Go to badcryptopodcast.com and you can find us there. Mm, Lucy said it was a great show. So you want to listen to Lucy. She knows what she's talking about. Tina says it's a great show, too. She loves it. That's great. Excellent. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you on the next episode of On Air with CastBox. I'm Joel Tom. I'm Travis Wright. Stay live. Be live. Go on air. I don't know. All that. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>